0: Welcome to the Finding Success Show, where we interview successful people so you can learn what it takes to find your own success in business and in life. Coming to you live from the Jersey Shore with your host, Justin Bosak, Abram Covella, and Steve Libman.
1: Welcome back to the Finding Success Radio Show. I'm Steve Libman. I'm here with Abe and Justin, and today we have Lauren Plump in the studio. And we're just talking about how to find success, what our definitions are, how we've failed at getting into it, and what are the principles that you can apply in your own life that can help you become successful, too? I think one of the things that we like to talk about in the show is, is this replicable? Can anybody find success, or are there some things that you have to overcome and just get blessed with to be able to become successful? I think that it's really more about the persistence aspect and not quitting. How about you guys? Absolutely. Totally agree. So Lauren is um, a managing partner at Morgan Engineering. You also mm-hmm. are with Aria Properties. And what else do you do? You have a couple other things that you have going on, right? You're doing continuing education credits. You're teaching people how to do some different things. So thanks for coming in.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: Appreciate it. But um, so go ahead. Just a little bit about, about your background, businesses that you're okay. involved in, stuff like that. A
2: little bit about me. Okay. Um, Morgan Engineering. I joined Morgan Engineering in 2006. I am a partner. Basically, my role um, on paper is new business development, uh, marketing, if you ask me what I really do, I like to say chief cook and bottle wash, because nice. I think that's what you really do is whatever needs to be done in the business, um, whether it's just taking out the garbage or just making sure that business is running as it's supposed to be doing. That's sort of kind of my real role.
1: Um, And we were introduced to you, so Integrity Holdings has been introduced to you guys for probably 10 years now, Mm -hmm. doing subdivisions for us and surveys and all that stuff. And I think you guys probably introduced us because you were doing some of their new construction stuff on the ARIA property side. Yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah. Right? So it's uh, so so we're all full friends, swordful. full disclosure. Uh, <laughs> so we're hanging out today and just chatting a little bit about how we've all become successful. But, you know, Lauren has been a great friend and mentor to all of us and kind of watching their businesses blow up has been really exciting too. So sorry to interrupt, cut you off, but so go ahead. No, cut mm-hmm. me off
2: as much as you like <laughs> because talking about myself is not my favorite thing to do. <laughs> I like to talk about other people. I like to talk about our companies, our businesses, Businesses, um, Morgan Engineering has become a successful company. Um, we are. I am a partner in RE Properties, also. That is the building company, mostly single family homes. Uh, we dabble in that. And yes, you're right. I do. I am CE certified to give classes for realtors for continuing education. Um, there's a lot of different things that we like to dabble in. Um, I think that we have come so far in a, just a short amount of time is because we're just very focused. It's one of those things that you just put one foot in front of the other and you keep on going. You just keep on walking. It's it's not as though there's a real secret um, to, be, to having a successful business. It's just to be tenacious. It's to just keep on going and not stop. And at the end of the day, when you put your head down on the pillow, did you get everything done? And that's sort of kind of where yeah. your mind starts going. It's like, oh, I have to. I, never. Never. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I said myself, I, I used to write sticky notes in, in bed, but now it's just you pick up the phone and E-mailing you send yourself. yourself emails. Oh,
3: yeah. Yeah. Sure. Sometimes I don't even open my own emails. <laughs> well,
2: sometimes I get in the office in the morning. I have no idea what that email was supposed to mean. So <laughs> sometimes I send myself an email,
1: but it fell below the priority line. So I'm below my own priority line. Yeah, absolutely. Sometimes. So so let's talk about Morgan Engineering for a minute um, in terms of what the services are that you offer. How many employees do you have? What's the top level look like?
2: Okay. Okay. Well, I also want to mention Frank Sadeghi, obviously uh, the senior partner. Uh, he founded Morgan Engineering in 1993. It went through a lot of different phases. Uh, he had a partner and it was a, a large company or middle-sized company, successful Um, Then the partnership dissolved, and it went through a little bit of some rough times. And then we sort of kind of regrouped and came back. When I got on board, we were both working for different people. Um, I was actually working for a builder, actually, and Frank was also. um, Morgan Engineering running on the side. And then all of a sudden, we decided to just stop working for everybody else, focus on building Morgan Engineering. And as it turns out...
3: Yeah. That, that happened with yeah. the economic downturn, right? Yes. And Kara Holmes went in yes. a business. That's
2: exactly when it was. Yep. Yes.
3: Same time that we kind of found our, you know, the beginning of our success. So.
1: Now,
2: well, I think the, a lot of did.
3: companies were incorporated, dug out of
1: that. So I think, that's, I think that's important to talk about too, right? Because I think a lot of people <clears throat> look at downturns as kind of like really problematic, right? Mm-hmm. Like the economy is bad. I don't know what to do. But a lot of success comes out of that because a lot of opportunity is born in strife. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think if you are, especially when we talked about this, Abe, right, like you going to school and wanting to find that consistency in yep. a job and saying, oh, I want security in a job. Yep. And then you found that you weren't getting security in the job. Right. Same thing with us in economic downturns. Like the all of a sudden, this big company that you've been working for that's doing hundreds of millions of dollars is no longer around. Mm-hmm. And you're like, well, wait, I thought I had security in this other position. So if I don't have security here, why am I working for anybody else? Uh, and I absolutely. know a lot of entrepreneurs that took the bull by the horns during that time frame and said, nope, I'm just going to go make it happen on my own. So that's that's really cool to hear. I didn't know that. And uh, I mean, a lot of us had similar stories that we were kind of born out of the recession.
2: Well, it's 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 interesting because when we when we decided to quit working for co- companies that, exil- like you said, we thought were secure and go out on our own and start building, really focusing on Morgan Engineering, we actually started in Frank's, the garage of his house.
3: Oh, the garage. The, yeah, garage. the garage. Yes, it's the garage. <laughs> Sorry, we,
2: we really did. And...
1: Um, I'm still in my garage. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I don't even have an office, so. Yeah. so.
2: So you know, if you start in the garage, you're destined for success, right? That's so like
1: Apple, IBM. <laughs> right?
3: Yeah, we were kind of in a garage. We we're in the yeah. middle of a bi-level in the corner with no
4: heat. Oh
3: man, those are the days. <laughs>
2: And then I remembered when it when it, we finally got to the point where, okay, we really have to actually look for office space. And we found this little office space that we thought was going to be absolutely perfect for us forever in Island Heights. It was, a, you know, you could live in the back and you could work in the front and it was just absolutely perfect. And it was probably not even a year and a half before we quickly realized we were running out of room there.
1: We're going to need a bigger boat. Yeah.
2: Going to need a bigger boat. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Parking
4: was so difficult. I remember your old space there. It,
2: and then we bought the building two houses, yeah, two buildings down, and we actually thought that that would just be sort of kind of like maybe Frank's office in a conference room. And what happened is we ended up putting so many employees in there that Frank would actually had this little tiny spot right next to the door. So we used to laugh and say that we're just kicking <laughs> him right out the door because there was no room. <laughs> so fast forward currently, um, we're running about 100 employees. Wow. Uh, we have about 22 field trucks, uh, which is sometimes it, it takes me back when all the field trucks are in the in the parking lot and I t- and I come in and I look and I say, oh my goodness, those yeah, are all of I ours. <laughs> 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 it's a little intimidating sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's a lot of overhead. Um, but we cover all of New Jersey, uh, parts of Pennsylvania, parts of New York. Um, And we have a lot, we're we're blessed because we've done a lot of hard work, a lot of marketing. Um, We have a lot of clients that are just faithful clients, repeat clients that are going to use us no matter what, because they know that um, when it comes not only to service, I'd like to think that, you know, our service is the best, that nobody else can compare to us. But in reality, you know, companies, most surveying engineering companies, that's what they do. Um, They're supposed to be good at their job. I like to think it's um, more than that for us, and it's because they know that we have their back. We're going to take care of them no matter what. Um, so I, I, I know that they're always going to say, "No, we're not using this company. We want to use Morgan Engineering. Yeah.
1: No, we're not using this." We've company. done it. I mean, we've been using you guys forever, and it's like it's it's an it's not even a question at this point, right? And. I don't really care about the price. I mean, we do. It's got to be reasonable. But it's like, I I know I can call your office and get somebody on the phone that's going to give me an answer right now. Mm -hmm. What's going on with this subdivision? What's going on with this major? What's going on? Hey, what about this zoning? What do you think we can do here? Right. It's just from our business perspective, it's it's all relationship, right? We've built the relationship over years, but Mm -hmm. more than that, it was predicated on the backs of the service that we were provided. So, you know, I think... Clearly, 100 employees being in business for 15 years and blowing up and being all over the state, it's it's more than just doing your job, right? It's got to be the service. It's got to be the relationship. It's got to be answering the phone and answering the questions and not making people – and making people feel like regardless of how big or small of a client they are, Mm -hmm. right? We're pretty small, but we always feel like we're a big client. So <clears throat> I think well, that's a testament one. to, yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> but I think that is a testament to how you guys run your culture there, right? I mean, and culture is a big thing and your employees follow suit. Like when I walk in, I know you're busy, but you always invite us into the office and say hi and see what's going on. And I mean, it, that's annoying in the middle of the day when you're in the middle of 90 things, but it's always like, oh yeah, no, come on in, let's, let's chat and, and your culture um, does that too, right? Your COO treats us the same way. He sees us come in and he's always, hey, come on in, let's chat. So, you know, it, it, it rolls downhill. And I think you guys have done that, oh, yeah. a, a really good job of that with Remax. And, you know, hopefully we're doing a, a good job of that too at Integrity where the culture is paramount to the dollar signs, right? Like we want to get business as much as anybody else. But if we can create a culture where all of our clients feel like they're the most important person in the world, then we won't have to worry about the money.
4: Yeah, I mean we have the we have an open door policy. Our door is always open. Everyone can come in we at don't any don't time. Have a door. You know, it's <laughs> what's a door? <laughs> right. We don't even have a door. <laughs> we have a we, have a, we? A, we have a hole oh, in the were closed. <laughs> <laughs> That's why. Um, you know, but I, I love that you touch on the culture because I definitely feel that you know when I come to your office, you know, it's it's like a, almost like a family type of environment, and you know, and I think that's very important when you're growing a company, especially if you're starting out. You know, having the right culture from the beginning. You'll have these people that will stay with you to the end, you know. And 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 it's not just about doing, you know, like oh that person's not doing the right thing or whatever. It's like if you're if you're either a boss or you're a leader, right? And if you're and if you're a leader and you develop this culture at the beginning, that growth and, and the hard work and everything that they put in is going to take it to that level that you want to get to. And I noticed that with what you what you guys have been doing over there.
1: So that's got to be tough to do with a hundred employees. How do you create? that culture that gets adopted by a hundred different people all working towards the same goal.
2: One of, one of the wonderful things and also one of the biggest issues that we have is that Frank and I have grown this company organically. We've done, I mean, I've been out in the field and I've done field work. Um, I went to school for AutoCAD. I've done drafting. I mean, there's, I've done elevation certificates out in the field like there's not really any part of well the engineering part I'm, I'm not there <laughs> <laughs> but there's really there's really not anything that goes on in the company that I don't understand firsthand because I did that I've been there um, typing up the legal descriptions basic things like that I mean you know when you start like that and then you grow the business uh, the wonderful thing is you understand, what all of your employees are going through no matter what their position is because you've been in their shoes at one point or another. Mm. So it really makes a big difference because when they're talking to me, I understand what they're talking about. And if a field crew comes in and they're talking about, you know, it's 110 degrees today and, I, you know, I didn't get all my jobs done. I thought I was going to pass out. Um, I, I get that. I understand what they're talking about. The biggest problem with that is trying to disconnect myself from all of that and focus on the bigger picture mm. because when you grow it organically it and you I'm not telling you anything you don't know it's your baby mm-hmm. yeah it's your baby yeah and as it gets larger and larger you can't do all phases of that baby you can't take care of all phases of that baby so you bring somebody on that's <clears> supposed <throat> to you know help you run the company and are you supposed to just put out your arms and say here's my baby take it um, it's very difficult uh, that, it's, we, a it's, a, that right? it's, it's a process to do that it's switch. a process you get the shakes <laughs> <Yeah>. sometimes <laughs> yeah,
3: <laughs> we've been there we gotta take that step backwards you know and we kind of do it every year with our business we look at it and say alright how can we improve what can we do moving forward to build the company mm-hmm. and then what do we have to take away so that we can actually accomplish that mm-hmm. so it's you know reflection I think and then you know having the culture building the people up so that you can kind of grow with you know from from within you know you should be able to trust somebody that's been with you for 4 years to maybe take a step up and be able to take things over.
2: I don't know if it's if it's not the trusting of it, I think it's the letting go. Yeah. Like it's it's just like it's I hard. have I have fabulous employees. I really do. And we're we're so fortunate that um we we have a like you said it's family. Um and that's how we feel there. I but it's that letting go. It's the letting go because can anybody do it just as good as you can do right. it? Yes, they can. But are you going to give them the opportunity to do that? And yeah. it, that's because, that becomes one of the more difficult things.
1: And Jocko Willink talks. Do you know who Jocko Willink is? He's a, um, he's a Navy SEAL commander. He, he trains other Navy SEALs. And he was in, um, he was in Iraq. He, he had the most successful missions in Navy SEAL history. And he's talking about leadership because he's growing and training leaders and we were out with his team in California, and they're talking about – so I'm sitting here with like three uh, Navy, um, Navy SEAL instructors that are teaching other Navy SEALs how to be SEALs. And one of the guys was a top flight – a top gun flight instructor. So I mean we're, we're sitting here with some bad dudes talking about leadership. And one thing that I really took away was they're not going to do it like you, right? They're not. It's not going to be 100%. But you know what the Navy SEALs say? If it's 80% and they've adopted it and it's their baby now, then that's okay. And to get to a certain point where you can really be, so what he says is to be in control of everything, you have to be in control of nothing. So to be able to look at your team and say, all right, so Abe, you're gonna take this, it's mm-hmm. your baby, right? Cause when do you have more buy-in? When Steven says, hey, this is exactly how you do it. And you kind of disagree, right? right? Or when you say, all right, Steve, I hear what you're saying. I'm going to do it like this, though. And I'm like, that's 80%. But you're going to have 100% ownership of that 80%, right? Or 50% ownership of my 100%. So it becomes this kind of dichotomy of can I lead? Can I get them to effectively do their job? And does it do what I need it to do for the company, even though it's not perfect? And that is really tough. I think for all of us as business owners, that is a really hard thing to get through but hearing Navy SEALs tell me that that's how I have yeah. to do it made me feel a lot better about <laughs> it, sure. at least, right?
3: Because well, that's growing pains, I think. So they do have to experience some some failure, and you are going to have to take them along and teach them and continue to train them. You know, you won't have to let go of the baby, you know, necessarily, altogether. But eventually, over time, two two years, three years, you'll look back and you'll say, okay, cool, you know, because a- allowing yourself to free yourself up to continue to build new things and look to the future, that's where you need to take your company. And that's why kind of we reflect every year. If you don't do that, then you get stuck in the past and then people Mm -hmm. leave because they don't have the responsibility. Then they're not growing. It's a vicious cycle, I think. So.
1: And I, so I read the book, um, Jack Welch, straight from the gut. So he was the, he ran GE for a number of years. He built it to be the strong company that it is today. He created GE Capital through his years and tenure as CEO. And, you know, I was, I always looked up to him as a mentor just because How do you build a company that's that big? I mean, GE is one of the biggest companies in the world. And they're in everything, right? They're in aerospace engineering. They're creating turbines. Hmm. They're creating washers and dryers, right? They had a GE appliance. And then they're doing capital markets too. So they're (laughs) deploying equity into real estate transactions like I do. So I'm like, how can you be the head of a company like that? You can't know everything. Yeah. Right. So reading his book and talking about how he's hiring for culture and training for capability was really helpful for me, too, in terms of growing the business and saying, all right. So he knows that he can't be in he can't be the expert in aeronautical engineering and dryers. He just can't be. Or plastics. Right. GE does plastics, too. So it's like if you can't be the expert in all of these things, how do you effectively manage and grow a successful company that is an expert in all of these things? And so, G, uh, so that book, uh, Jack Welch, Straight from the Gut, great, great read on how to be a leader without having to be the expert. So it really took me out of my comfort zone too. So it's interesting to see how some of the greatest leaders don't really know anything about what they're leading. It's predicated on relationship and culture. So, absolutely interesting.
4: So we're uh, obviously you got the I know Morgan Morgan Engineering especially over the last few years I mean they've gone through some pretty explosive growth you guys acquired some large engineering firms and you know what was that like you know with taking on I I think you had some transitional where some of those people stayed on but weren't part of your culture and you know so how did how did you how did that feel with that growing and taking on those companies and, and expanding the Morgan Engineering footprint?
2: That's a good question. Um, We started out by just buying up companies that maybe they were getting ready to retire, and we wanted their phone number, their website, their records, and things like that. And that was pretty easy. Um, You you take all their records. There's a lot of scanning and indexing involved, but it just helps because then you have more um, control over the different areas that you're working in if you have um, older records. So that made a lot of sense. And then we decided, okay, now there's opportunities. There were a couple of companies that we were actually bringing the whole company on board, um, buying out the company, um, interviewing the employees, um, taking them on, bringing on the uh, prior owner. um, And that was a challenge. Uh, That was definitely a challenge because if you take somebody who ran their own company Mm. for the past 23, 25 (laughs) years— and they were the person in charge, and then all of a sudden now they're an employee. And that whole transition and how to make them a part of your team when it was always their way. Mm-hmm. now Then there's the Morgan way. And trying to merge the two of them um, was a challenge. I think sometimes it still is, but I think that giving people their own space and taking what they are, what they are really good at, and letting them focus at that, um, you know, you just find their strengths. I, I think that's what we try and do with all of our employees is just find their strengths. Because some people, you put them in a in one position, and you think they're going to be fabulous at it, or you know, really blossom in it, and then you realize that this is not a good fit for them. It doesn't mean that they're a bad employee. It doesn't mean that they don't belong. Working at Morgan Engineering, it just means that maybe we've put them in the wrong position.
1: Right, wrong seat on the bus.
2: Wrong seat on the bus, exactly. So, trying to find out the 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 place to put them so that they can flourish is um, is sometimes it's not the challenge. It's a, you, it's a work in progress. You ha, you just have to keep on working on it, and that's one of the things that we like to do. Like we'd like to hire younger people. Um especially as we get older we want that next generation to come in so we're always trying to hire the younger people and train them and you know find out do you want to learn how to draft do you want to do autocad um do you like engineering do you like do you want to be out in the field and be a a field crew a party chief you know what are your goals and some people are definitely they want to be outside they don't want that that job behind the desk and some people are total opposite I mean I I talk about our field crews, what our field crews go through all the time, um, and I just don't know if we ever give them enough credit. I, they yeah. they have been... Um,
3: they get all the variables. They oh, never know what they're it. walking <laughs> into. I mean,
2: they've been chased by bears <laughs> and, and snakes and dogs, pit bulls, in Jersey City all day long. Um there was a goat in the backyard in Bergen <laughs> County once, <laughs> and you know you think goats are cute, but you know they have that really hard spot in between yeah. their ears and yeah. their forehead. <laughs> and when they came, when the field crews came in the backyard with the equipment, that goat didn't think Got that rammed? they. Yes, exactly.
1: Unbelievable.
2: Um, they were pinned up against a, a house by a wild turkey.
3: <laughs> um, <laughs> Sounds of <over> turkeys.
2: <laughs> <laughs> they're out there in hundred and ten degrees. They're out there in twenty below. You know, they're out there today, and it's not nice out. It's warm, right? But you know, it's raining. It's, Pretty windy. It's raining. Yeah. Yep. Um. They get they get chased by irate clients or or neighbors that they don't understand what they're doing. They get have, off my property. Get off of my right. property. They have the police called on them. You know, so it's. It, they're very special but it's a niche and you know, they really love it i mean yeah. they have they have their own um there's um on facebook there's a page and it's just for um field crews oh, oh really perfect. it's just for field share, crews their and 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 share their stories share their stories and I since that. i have been a field crew i am a part of that page and i go on there and i listen to them and i watch what they post and it's oh, that's cool and it's amazing yeah Well, and it's a different
1: personality type too, right? Like they, that's this personality type that doesn't want to sit behind the desk. They can't do the same thing every single day. So they like it because it's different and changing when somebody else with a different personality type would hate that. So, So let me ask you a question. I want to back up for just a second. So as you're finding the right fit for certain people and you're going through that pain. So as a small company, when we were smaller 10 years ago, that was really scary, right? Like we didn't have necessarily... I guess the question is, as you've grown and you've become more financially stable, is it easier to give the people the time that it's going to take for them to find the seat on the bus versus when you were small, maybe more nimble, but less um, financially stable where, you know, even though you love that person, you know, it was costing you money to have them in the wrong seat because we've kind of experienced some of that too where we're, as we're growing and we're becoming more financially solid, we can let people kind of find where they want to sit on the bus. When before, it was like, you don't fit, you got to go. And it's hard, but we don't have the excess cash to burn to let you figure it out in the company. Have you found something similar to that?
2: I, I, I think so, yes, because there, it's a bigger bus. There are more seats. Um, so there are a lot more options, where right. before it, it was the minivan.
1: No, you're right. No, that's a, that's a no great room. analogy because yeah, sometimes I only had four people, right? I only mm-hmm. had four seats on the bus. And if you didn't fit that seat, I didn't have anywhere else to move you. So it was just a virtue of there's not enough seats, period. Right. When now I think you're right, as we're expanding the bus and we can say, well, maybe you fit over here yet. Right. And so that's that's a great analogy.
2: I remember when we had that minivan and then, you know we were in that we were all in one room together and it was summertime and that's our really busy time and the phones were ringing and there was one employee who is still with us after all these years who um is very detailed um introverted and had his head down and he's working on the computer and he's drafting or whatever he was doing and the phones are ringing and I said Pick up the phone.
1: (laughs) Can you answer the phone?
2: (laughs) And I watched, and it was a very good lesson, um, definitely a good business lesson. I watched his face turn beat, red, like, oh, my goodness, you want me to pick up the phone and talk to to somebody? somebody? (laughs) And that's where it becomes one of those, the bus is bigger now. He doesn't have to pick up the
1: phone. (laughs) You go sit in your (laughs) office and close the door. (laughs) (laughs) Talk to your computer. You don't have to be terrified to answer the phone.
2: But, you know, it's funny because after all all these years later, he has really um, found a a niche with us at our company. And if you have any questions about elevation certificates or anything else, he is my go-to person in the office. Mm. And he has actually been doing some um, speaking engagements for me when, you know, different companies want to bring somebody in who know, can explain about elevation certificates. And here's this person that couldn't even answer the phone. Mm. And now all of a sudden, because he's so knowledgeable, right, he's his become the subject, expert. Yeah. He has a different seat on the bus. <laughs>
3: That's awesome. That's really cool.
2: It is.
4: So uh, obviously we touched on some Morgan Engineering, right? And you mentioned earlier about Aria Properties, which... Obviously, we, uh, you know, we have a relationship with you guys on that. What got you guys into doing the surveying to wanting to kind of dabble into potentially building?
1: So that's a great question. I'm going to actually wait until we come back from the break to talk about the transition from engineering to becoming a monster builder in Ocean of Monmouth County because you guys are crushing it, and I do want to hear more about that. So thank you so much for tuning in. This is Finding Success Radio. We will be right back.
0: You're listening to
5: the Finding Success Show.
0: The Jersey Shore's best oldies, Betrayal.
5: Americans have a deep respect for our military and a deep desire to show them the gratitude that they deserve. When those serving so far away receive a small gift box of personal care items and greetings, they know America is behind them. Always Supporting Our Military is a new nonprofit of retired volunteers that meets weekly to send packages to our troops overseas. They need your help to raise money for postage and for items. Each box of toiletries, snacks, and food takes about $18 to send, and they rely totally on donations. Will you help? They greatly appreciate any donations to the cost of postage or supplies, like small bottles of shampoo, lotion, mints, and more. Please visit Always Supporting Our Military on Facebook, email pasrmilitary at yahoo.com or call 908-278-9561. That's 908-278-9561. Every little bit helps. We've been fighting the war on drugs for a long time. We answer the phone 24-7, 365 days a year. On a busy night, we answer hundreds of calls. This war on drugs needs our intervention. Since 2014, Addiction Hope and Helpline has helped people struggling with drugs and alcohol. When the phone rings, we help people when they need it the most. When we get a caller into treatment, it feels good. It's a blessing. If you're
4: struggling, drinking, using, and need to get clean, don't suffer alone in silence. Call Addiction Hope and Helpline.
5: Our people understand, and many are also in recovery. Call for support and strength. You can call for someone who can't or isn't willing. It's an act of love. Together, we can help you beat this thing and erase addiction from your vocabulary once and for all.
4: Call 800-490-1630 800-490-1630 800-490-1630
0: You're listening to The Finding Success Show.
1: Welcome back to The Finding Success Radio Show. We have Lauren Plump in the uh, studio today and we're talking about engineering, building, but really we're talking about what we talk about every week, which is success. How do we find it? How do we get it? How have we overcome challenges to get there? And... Uh, you guys have had no shortage of challenges that you've overcome, and no shortage of success. So, thank you so much for being in the studio with us today, and really fun hearing about your story.
2: It's a pleasure to be here. It's I've known all of you for some time now, and there isn't one of us in the room who doesn't work hard and doesn't strive to be better.
1: Yeah, every day, right? It's um, it is a journey, as they say. It's not a light switch, and everybody. It's funny, I have friends and family that are now looking at us going, wow, you guys really got successful fast, right? Overnight success 15 years later. (laughs) 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 So we know it well. Uh, So just before we left on the break, we were talking uh, about Morgan Engineering and kind of the growth that that has had. And now you have a couple other companies too that you're either actively involved in or just getting started. So why don't you tell me, tell us a little bit about that. What was the transition like from the engineering company into the building world? How do you make that leap?
2: That was actually that was actually an easy leap uh, for me, and for engineering also because what would happen is you know we would we would see a piece of property and it would have a house on it but it was maybe the house was sat all the way to one side and it was subdividable so the engineering part was easy we just subdivide it the building part um, sort of kind of goes back to my roots I'm a I'm a carpenter's daughter uh, my father's shop was in my backyard. I remember like, having there was a there was a hill, um, a mound. I guess it was when you're little. It, it was a big hill, but it was all the sawdust from the wood shaping. So I used to play in the sawdust. You know, it's one of <laughs> nice. those kind of things. So you, know, when I'm when I'm when we're building a house, the first time I walk the house is when it's just framed because you smell the
1: sawdust it brings I it right back. Smell right? the
2: wood, and I'm mm-hmm. a little girl again, and it's a, just a wonderful thing. But it's also one of those things that I guess growing up. In that kind of environment, I walk a house um, with Justin and Abe as soon as it's it's framed, and we're moving walls, and we're <laughs> you know we're changing things on the fly because we can see it. Mm-hmm. Um, most people can't really visualize it until it's built. Uh, we always say the house sells as soon as the sod is down because people, a lot of people, just can't imagine the whole picket fence, white picket fence thing until they see the white picket fence up. Um, but I love that part of it. I absolutely love it. And, yes, I do love the smell walking through all the time. Uh, but it's, that's become our, our second baby, our second passion. Uh, there's nothing better than – well, it's a twofold thing. You, you know, sometimes you, you're building and you have a buyer already, so you're dealing with a client um, through all of the stages – and they're picking out colors, and they're picking out the cabinets, and they're picking out all of these different things. And I just always pray that they have good taste. Right?
1: Yeah, it's <laughs> difficult right? to watch yeah. other people picking that stuff out. Uh, yes. When that's kind of what you do.
2: Yes, and, yeah. and just just let the let it get to closing and let them close and be happy. <laughs> Don't let the deal <laughs> fall through because then we're stuck with their choices. <laughs> um, but you know, it's a lot of fun picking out all the different colors and the granites and the quartz or whatever, and piecing it all together. But the really best part is and i mean you you all know this is is the day after it closes the day after it closes because you know then you see the moving trucks going in and you see the decorations going up for the holidays and you see the lights on and the and the blinds up and you realize that you built somebody a house yeah and that's a really cool feeling
1: yeah and yeah i mean if you've bought a flip from Integrity Properties, we probably have driven by during Christmas to see your kids decorating <laughs> the tree and just because it's it, it's it becomes a part of just kind of your life, right? I mean, you put in the time and the energy and the effort. And, you know, when you're picking out granite, for me, I don't care, right? I'm like, all right, well, that's nice. This looks good, whatever. But when it becomes a home for somebody, then you recognize like, wow, when we didn't cut that corner and we spent the extra 10 grand here or the extra two grand here to make sure that it was right this is why, right? This is the family that we did that for. And that was a uh, that was cool for us when we were flipping houses. And then I mean you guys have built how many houses in the past however many years? Well
2: that's that goes back to the okay, how did we start? We were doing one house a year, two houses a year, and we would just take our time and it was, So you're just was doing easy.
1: single specs to start. Yes. You'd find the lot, you mm-hmm. got it for mm-hmm. the right price, and then do you did you hire a general contractor to come in, and then you guys just manage that general contractor? Or did you bring correct. that in house, or
2: correct? We we always hired a, a general contractor to to run it. Basically, we were the energy behind it, and this is the direction we're going. And this is the model we're building, um, and then you just sort of oversee everything that's going on. You have to when you're building a house, you have to be on the ground. You have to have your feet in the house through all the different stages to make sure that everything's going correctly. It's one of those things, yes, you do have a general contractor that is running the show for you, but you still need to have your input and you just have to make sure that everything is running according to plan. In the beginning, when we were doing a couple a year, it was, it was easier. Now we're doing more along the lines of 40, 50 a year. Um, it's a little more difficult. So now uh, we have weekly construction meetings Which Justin and Abe are always a part of with us. Uh, And we go over, you know, house by house. Where is this one? Where is that one? What is, Mm. do we have a contract on it? When is the closing date? And it becomes more of a a different kind of process. You know, has everything been completed? Um, And do we have that CO?
3: (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> right. the famous so, yeah. CR it? <clears throat> it why Where haven't is they it? signed it yet yeah I
4: think one of the things that separates you from most builders um, is that a lot of builders they get their plan from an architect right and an architect has a vision of like this house that he thinks is going to be great um, you know and some of these builders they buy that plan and they build the house and they're like this is it and it's just like you walk in it's just like why did they put this here why did they do this um you know, I think working with you and, and, and kind of understanding what a lot of the buyers want and needs are, been able to fine tune certain plans that meet and cater to the masses. You know, instead of having this one plan, where are just, what are we doing with this? Um, so it's been great working with you over the years, you know, and, and being able to kind of redline certain plans and figure out different things that kind of meet the needs for the most. That makes it more of a sellable product. You know, we want to be able to sell the house. We want to be able to you know make these houses homes like we were talking about before you know instead of just this is what I this is what I'm building and, and there's and there's been a lot of builders that we you know these we bring these buyers into these other homes and and these builders have this bullish mindset where it's just like that's that's it this is all I'm doing I don't care you know um but it's been awesome to see how you guys have been able to grow from where you guys started just doing a couple of houses to where you guys are now where we have a design center we have multiple meetings and Kind of figuring out the process, so
2: we have a couple of new projects coming up. I guess I wanted to just touch on those uh, where you're going to be finally launching. I think this project was three years in the making. Um, pioneer, well, well pioneer. <laughs> with, that's longer with, than pioneer. <laughs> pioneer, pioneer, which is in in that's brick. Five, we also have times. another project coming up that's going to be in wall. Yeah. Um, and then we have another project coming up that's in Manchester. And all three of those, I think, are, are fabulous projects.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm partial to the wall project. Of course. Of course. <laughs> 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 we may or may not have helped. <laughs> so, that, yeah, those are a lot of... And how many uh, home sites are on each of those projects? It's 15 for wall. It's Brick's 15. Bricks 15, 15.
2: For, well, 15 seems to be the number. Yeah, I'm Brick's not sure, 15, Manchester and then Manchester's right, 13, or, 12,
1: 13. Yeah, yeah, I right think, th- I think Manchester's about 13, yeah. yeah. So not bad, right? 42, 43 homes?
2: That seems to be our niche, at that mm-hmm. size subdivision, anywhere between 10, and 15, 16. Mm. It's uh, manageable. I don't know if we're ready to take on the uh, K-Hobbs. The Megas.
1: (laughs) Yeah, the 120 (laughs) multi-year projects. Four phases and a lifetime. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I know people do really well with that stuff, right? But I mean... That's more systems. I mean, this is what you were just talking about before when we started was, you know, you, you know your niche, you're laser focused on it, you're tenacious about getting it done, and also know kind of what you like to do, right? I mean, I look at 150 lot subdivisions that's not exciting for me. I'm not like, oh yeah, I want to tie up my life for the next decade (laughs) and see how it goes. Right. Right. I mean, it's just not some, I I know other people that's very exciting for, right. But 10 to 15, it's great, right. Pulling a cul-de-sac out or two and you can kind of really watch it kind of grow and take shape. And so I think, I think the biggest thing about being really successful in the niche that you choose to be in is you got to like what you're doing too. And you're not going to like it hundred percent of the time. Don't, don't get me wrong. But if you like what you do, right, and you're not overwhelmed by it, then you have a much higher propensity to be tenacious about it, to have that fortitude to stay with it because you're enjoying it. If you, you stuck me in something that I hated, am I going to be persistent about it? No. Right. But to, to know kind of, where your lane is and to just stay there and be happy with it. And, you know, we all want to grow, but we want to grow where we want to grow, not where everybody else thinks you should grow. And I think that's a big takeaway for me when we started flipping houses. I mean, we were flipping 15 houses a year and then we were flipping 175 houses a year. And what I did was I built my company to somebody else's standard. I saw what somebody else was doing and going, that's what I think success looks like. But that wasn't my version of success, right? It was theirs. So you don't have to build somebody else's business, you have to build your own. And you have to know what you like about it and you know how you sleep well and the lifestyle that it affords you and all of these different things, but you have to choose that. Nobody else can choose that for you. So it's it's good to hear that, you know, you know your lane. You guys are you're going to stay in your lane. She's got a couple lanes. <laughs> <laughs> well, a couple lanes. <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah. yeah. <laughs> and stay I mean, in all of them. it's just crazy to to, <laughs> to step back and even realize that somebody's building a huge engineering firm and then also, you know, for locally, a huge building company at the same time. And then there's more.
2: <laughs> and then there's more. And then there's more. It's. It is. I guess it is one of those passions, and it I, it goes back to who we are. I guess at, in our core we we just want to be busy all the time. We mm-hmm. want to be doing something all the time. We want to you know make today count. You know it's it's one of those things. Uh, you just want to keep on going. I think that's. I mean even if I think about it, even if I go back and I look at my hobbies outside. Let's put all the companies aside and let's just. I know what your
3: weekend hobby is. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> Like,
3: walking the houses. Walking, <laughs> well,
2: that's true. Yeah. To walk the houses on the weekends. Frank but,
3: doesn't take any days off.
2: I mean, I am I sit on the board for the Salvation Army. And I sit on the board for Big Brothers and Big Sisters. And I sit on the board for the Sailing Foundation of Barnegat Bay. And just recently, like trying to find a way, even with those organizations, um, recently I think the, the direction we're going is... The Sailing Foundation, along with Ocean County help from Ocean County College, we seem to be making a path where we believe, starting this summer, we're going to be able to get the kids from Salvation Army out on the water. Oh, cool! Wow. To show nice them something different, give them give them something because, as a sailor, um, that's one of the things that it sort of changes your life forever. It gives you a different perspective. It gives children, especially kids, a sense of um, being in more control of themselves. It's like you can't drive a car until you're 17, but you can get in a little lofty boat when you're 8 years old and you're going in your own direction. You're going where you want to go. You're free. Yeah. And it teaches you a lot of different life lessons. Um, So we're pretty excited about putting this program together. Um, It's just about Whatever it is that you're involved in, whether it's Morgan Engineering, Morgan Municipal, or your properties, it's just trying to make a difference. It's just trying to do the best job that you can while you're doing it. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what comes back down around to why we're successful in our businesses, because we're just trying to put your best foot forward, and you're just trying to make a difference, make it happen, make something happen.
1: Yeah, and I think Sometimes as entrepreneurs, <laughs> you... Are always trying to build something or better something, right? We're mm-hmm. problem solvers naturally. Right. I think most entrepreneurs are problem solvers, right? So <clears throat> I know we both sit on the boards of our churches, and you sit on the I sit on the boards of some nonprofits as well. So it's Justin, Abe. I mean, so <clears throat> what's interesting about getting involved in those nonprofits, right? Is it's you're using a skill set that you have in business and you're applying it to now a very different type of organization. But like, I love doing that because I think I can help. You have to take the business hat off and put the volunteer hat on Mm -hmm. when you go and do these things because it's very difficult to lead and manage a team of volunteers than it is to lead and manage a team of people you're paying, right? But very similar in terms of how to get people on board and how to get them behind you to say, oh yeah, this is a great vision. Let's go execute on this. But I think we have a lot to offer to these nonprofit organizations because we can problem solve, right? And we've had to do it. Literally to pay our bills and to keep our families fed. So now we get to offer that back up to these nonprofits. And it's really cool to see the things that you can do. I mean, to to get, you know, big brothers and sisters and Salvation Army kids to get out on the water is it's incredible, right? I mean, but we live at the Jersey Shore. Why wouldn't that be something that's open to those to those kids? Well, typically it's a financial issue, right? Or it's just some of these other issues, and you can overcome those hurdles and say, "Yeah, but now we're teaching you accountability and self-sustaining um, life lessons, right?" So that's that's really cool. I, I definitely share more with us as that continues to grow, because you know, I, part of what we're doing as Integrity Holdings is we're giving you know equity into to nonprofits for every deal that we end up doing. Tom's Riverfield of Dreams is one of the recipients of one of our <clears throat> deals. And, you know, we're giving away literally hundreds of thousands of dollars per deal. So uh, we'd love to talk to you more about that offline to see if we can help.
2: Definitely very would cool. love to talk to you offline about
1: that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> very cool.
2: And you know, the other thing, just to touch on the nonprofit, the other part of it is that we are successful and we are successful business people, but you go and you join an organization like this and you are in a room filled with people that are successful. And the knowledge that you gain from being a part of that organization, it's like, yes, you're there to give, mm-hmm. but you're also getting a lot back. You, there's a lot of wisdom in the, in those organizations.
1: Yeah, 100%. Right. And it's applicable to all these different facets of your life, right? So if you're humble enough to come expecting to receive and expecting to give as much as you can too. I mean, there's been just one-off conversations that I've had with some really smart people that I've taken and applied to my marriage and taken and applied those life lessons to our business. And those those are really impactful things because yeah, the wisdom is, and what I love about it is all of these people, none of them will say, oh, this is my own brilliant idea, right? They're all just sharing things that we've all kind of accumulated knowledge from one another over the years, which is the, what I've really found is the more successful people get, you know, and, and not all of them, right, but maybe the people that have been attracted into my life especially are – they're really humble about how they've gotten there, right? I, I don't think any self-made millionaire has been like, well, I got there because I'm a grinder and I'll outwork you. Maybe <laughs> a little bit of that. Right? But I think every one of us realize that we've gotten a lot of hands up and a lot of help from a lot of people to help us get to where we're at. And that's why I think a lot of them turn around and try to give back is because they recognize they couldn't have done it on their own. right? And I don't think you really can. Success is a team sport. So lots to unpack. Um, really good stuff. So as we're talking about nonprofits and all these other things, right? We, we were talking a little bit during the break about kind of this purpose-driven life and this purpose-driven lifestyle. And clearly it, it matters to you as you're involved in some of these nonprofits and things like that. So beyond making the business work and making your employees successful, there's something behind that that makes you want to, you know, have and deliver more purpose in and around your life. So where's that come from? And how do you how do you execute on that outside of just sitting on boards and things like that? Like what what drives you to get there?
2: Well, I, th- I think that is one of the things that we It's an underlying thing is that you want every day of your life to be meaningful. You want your life to have purpose. And I'm just going to take this opportunity to give, and I believe um, Sarah Greenberg, I believe technically she is my second cousin. She is my cousin's daughter. So with that cousin once removed, second cousin, not so sure about the way that really works. We're close. Um, But I'm very proud of her. She has an article published in Psychology Today on their website, and it basically says 11 Ways to Lead a Life of Meaning. Mm. And basically it says what science tells us about the value of purpose and how to find more of it. And it's articles like this, when you read them, that you realize that us people who are determined to make a difference every day to do the right thing— we're creating a path for ourselves and you're not even certain, you don't even realize you're on that path until you get there. You're just, okay, this is what I'm going to do and this I'm going to be the best me I can today. I'm going to do uh, random acts of kindness because Mm -hmm. it's going to make me a better person. Um, Talks about the gaps that are out there between um, living a purposeful life. I want a purposeful life, but am I doing the things that every day that is going to get me make me feel like I have a purpose in life or am I just talking about it Mm. Um, you know so there's a lot of
1: I just read a book Atomic Habits and we've talked a couple times about it on the show where it's valuing your success not based on whether or not you've reached this goal or not right but am I one degree better today than I was yesterday right and it's those putting those habits in place that get you to achieve that level of success or that level of um, just accountability. Like, hey, if I want to live a purpose-driven life, what am I doing today that's tangible that I'm holding myself accountable to that will lead me to look back and say, that was purposeful, right? So that intentionality is really important. I think people think that they're going to grow automatically. I think, um, you know, we go to school, we grow up, we're being taught, right? We're learning and from literally – Birth until you graduate college, you're getting force fed all of this information. And I think once you leave college, you have this decision to make as to whether or not you're going to be intentional about continuing your growth because you've just been growing automatically for the last 20 something years. Right. And it, I had a little bit of a gap after college and to, to when I started reading and like becoming really um, growth oriented again because it wasn't happening. And I was like, man, I don't know why I'm not just growing anymore well because you're not getting force fed that growth so you have to become intentional about it and say well I'm going to do this today to make sure that I am better tomorrow than I am today right but not everybody has that aha moment right a lot of people go through life and they never have that moment again they just think yeah this is where I landed so interesting point that they bring up to be just in- intentional about the day to day
2: and i like i like the i think it's one of the last things that she talks about in in here and that's um To remember to breathe. (laughs) And I think that's one of the things that we all have to remember to do every once in a while is to just sit back and breathe. Um, And like you said, um, Justin, you were talking about reflecting or Abram, you were talking about reflecting. And that's one of the bigger things that we have to work on and Mm -hmm. make sure we take the time to take that breath and to look at where we have been, what worked, where we want to go what is the next plan? Uh, where do we want to take our companies and what we want for ourselves personally, right?
1: Do you have a process for that? Do you guys get together every quarter or every year and look back and look forward and write down some different things? How, how do you all handle that?
3: Well, us together, I mean, we, you know, we do meet quarterly, but I mean, we are literally talking every day, yeah. um, you know, nonstop. Um, so, we're for the most part always on the same page, but I think the way we look at it is, um, you know, in August, that's kind of like the end of the year for us. Um, September is kind of when I take that step back. I look at kind of what happened, what we did, and I want to then kind of, you know, debrief, as, as you said, and figure out what needs to change, you know, for me to have a more successful year the next year. Because it takes time to take a step back and then come up with that plan and then implement it. And I mean, maybe that's not even enough time um, because you only have three months until you get to the point where you're in 2020. But really, you you know, your 2020 was set up way beforehand. Right. So taking that time to, to reflect because once once it's here, it's here, and now it's kind of reactive. You know. So I think the goal with with us and what we're doing and what we're building is to try to always be proactive. You know, and try to get ahead of things. You know, as much as possible. And again, it's taking a step back and maybe saying like. You know, I need to have somebody else handle things for like a week so that I can debrief and then I can analyze and then I can look at things and maybe interview people from within the company and figure out what their feedback is and what their growth has been. So it's maybe something, you know, if you're not doing it, do that's, it. that's a quick tip. <laughs> I,
2: I, thank you. I always find that um, I guess our best corporate uh, discussions as to where we're going are basically Away mm. go away on vacation. Go away on vacation because that's when you're disconnected. Exactly. Let somebody else run the ball. I like that advice, office. by the yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Big fan. <laughs> of I need to, I need so, to
2: do that. <laughs> go away. Go on vacation <laughs> because that. that's when everything clears and you get to look outside the box and you get to think more clearly as wow. to um, what direction you need to focus on. You know, what needs, um, what needs your attention? Which direction do you want to go? Um, and what is your end goal and and how do you get there I mean I think that's the best time is when you're disconnected mm. um, it's, it's hard to do even if you set up a meeting if you're in that office it's still hard to think outside of the box but I, th- I think that once you're away mm-hmm. and you're and you do disconnect yourself as much as we allow ourselves to be disconnected. Right. Because even when you're away, mm-hmm. who does not have their cell phone on and who is not checking uh, their emails? Nah, right.
1: Nah. <laughs> That's well, I'm starting to get better at it because I'm making promises to my wife and kids about when I'm allowed to be on those things. So I, I, I set times so that I don't just become constantly on it. Right. Mm-hmm. And we have little kids, so it's a little bit different. So we have to be engaged. A little bit more. But, you know, it's, it's like that visual of, like, putting your head down and just grinding, and then all of a sudden you get to the top of the mountain, and you're like, yes, I made it to the top of the mountain. You look around, and you're alone because everybody else is on the top of the other mountain. You went to the wrong mountain, right? So it's important sure. to be able to assess, hey, are we all going together? You know, one thing that we're going to take from Bill Gates – Bill Gates does this every year. He goes away for a week in a cabin by himself. He brings like 50 books and he just sits and thinks by himself. So we're implementing this with our management team. Me, Travis and Sean are going to go away for three or four days. We're going to get separate um, either rooms or cabins. We're not going to stay together. We're going to get together just for lunches and dinners and kind of talk about what we're thinking about and really just kind of hermit and think, get creative, write down ideas and then come back and we're going to see how that works. I mean, if the smartest billionaires in the world are doing that, I want to replicate that. So I think we are just about ready to wrap up. Lauren, thank you so much for kind of sharing your story with us. We've seen it from, you know, being able to be partners with you on a lot of things, but we definitely got a lot deeper today than we have in the past. So I really appreciate you sharing your story. And thanks to shout out to Frank. Um, You know, you guys have been great friends and great mentors to all of us around the table, and we're excited to see your continued success. And um, yeah, thanks again for just... Showing up and chatting with us.
2: Pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me.
1: Great. Anytime. And thank you, listeners, for listening to the Finding Success Radio Show. Hopefully you have some tips and tricks to go out and replicate your own success. And as you can hear, we're not just talking about the money. We're always talking about the purpose behind it. So find your why and go after it tenaciously, and you will find your own success.
0: Thank you for tuning in to the Finding Success Show. For more exclusive content and previous episodes, check out successradioshow.com. That's www.successradioshow.com.